welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. Uh, we've got a pretty jam-packed show today and lots to get through, so we'll get straight into it and introduce our two guests for this episode. Uh, first, we've got someone who's been a member of Big Footy since 2006 and has just come back from Big Weekend in Adelaide. Welcome, Tiger, to the show. 2006, geez. That's... Uh... Yeah, you, I'm feeling my vintage now, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, no, that's uh, right. Yeah, g'day, Tiger Heads. I think I was about 2006 as well, so it, it is a long time ago. But I didn't post for a long time. Um, and our second guest has been a Big Footy member since 2014 and is our resident wine guru. So if anyone's got any questions about any old bottles of wine, hit Elton John's wig up and he will give you all the information you need to know. So welcome to the show, Elton. Yeah, cheers, Michaels. G'day, Tiger. Uh, and g'day, Tigers. It's great to be here, uh, especially after the weekend uh, that just happened. Always pleasant to review a win rather than a loss. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, mate, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, I'm actually drinking a cask wine at the moment. So, can I get you to critique that afterwards? Um, I can get you to throw it out for a start. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your thoughts on cask wine on the on the sweet FA. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm actually drinking a South Australian beer at the moment, um, which was given to me by a Port Adelaide supporter on the Sunday after the game as payment. Um, That's called West End Draft. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's Cooper's, but I think there might be an issue with it because it tastes a little salty. I'm just worried about what he's done to it. Oh, it could be his tears inside of it. Very I nice. think that's what it is. <laughs> all right, well, uh, we'll kick off as we do with all new guests. We'll, we'll just find out a bit about yourselves and how you became a Richmond supporter. So I'll start with you, Tiger. How did you become a Richmond supporter? Uh, mate, I actually remember it vividly, which was 40 years ago. I'm showing my age again for the second time in, what has it been, three minutes. Um, I'm 47. I remember vividly being a seven-year-old um, sitting in the lounge room of uh, – the family farmhouse up at Murchison in the beautiful Golden Valley. I sat down and said to myself, I'm going to vote for either Essendon, Carlton or Richmond. And for some bizarre reason, I just said, I'm voting for Richmond from this day on. And uh, and I did. And I converted my mum, who was a Collingwood supporter. And um, cut a long story short, Saturday afternoons used to be uh, used to consist of her cooking casseroles to watch the footy replay on Saturday afternoons, and me sitting up on the bench with her marking in how many goals Michael Roach used to kick. So uh, yeah, I remember it absolutely like it was yesterday. The the pen would have got a fair workout with marking down how many goals Roach was kicking. Yeah, lots and lots. And what about yourself, Elton? How did you become a Richmond supporter? Um, I'm a pretty similar vintage to Tugger. Uh, I'm 46. Uh, I actually live in Tatura, so not too far from uh, Merch at all. It's the next town along the road. Go the doggies. Um, yes, yeah, they're not going too well this year, but anyway. Um, I, My uh, mum was a Collingwood supporter, dad was an Essendon supporter, and I lived in the Collingwood zone. I grew up in Montmorency, the Diamond Valley League, and everyone was a bloody Collingwood supporter, and it, I don't know why, but it just used to shit me. And uh, this bloke over the back fence... Uh, who ended up being my best mate till I was about sort of 10 or 11. He was a Tiger supporter, so uh, I stuck with him to be too sort of out of the box from everyone else. Good times. No, that's fair enough. And I know I said it last week, but this is another two stories that have involved some kind of Collingwood connection. So it actually proves that we are a smarter breed because we didn't end up following Collingwood. So full marks to all the Richmond people out there who uh, have you know, followed the Tigers and not gone to the pies. 
Well, uh, we'll get straight into... It's a bit of a new segment, so thanks to Sturge for putting this together for me. We're actually going to re- go through the um, standings for the autopsy play of the year, which is the vote update after round 13. So this is after the Carlton match, not including, obviously, the poor game. So how we've done it is after all the votes have been lodged, we've put together all the voters, and, and a 5-4-3-2-1 is awarded based on who had the most votes for the game. So we'll only go through the top five. So at the, as it stands now, in fifth place is Jack Rewalt on 12 votes. In fourth place is Toby Nankervis on 13 votes. In third place is Trent Cochin on 30 votes. Second place is Alex Rance with 33 votes. And first place, which will be no surprise to anyone, is Dustin Martin on 43 votes. So very much a three-horse race there, but I think those top three is a pretty accurate reflection of our year thus far with, with how well they've played uh, and made such a good contribution to it. Uh, we'll move on to the roast and toast. So, Tugger, you've been assigned the roast for this week. What have you got for us? Uh, I've got a couple of really quick ones. Uh, I guess the first one that stands out is uh, I'm going to roast Thomas Bug um, for what he did uh, just one week after... Uh, what uh, what happened with Basher? Uh, it's not on, and uh, yeah, just really poor form by him. The other roast is uh, the Adelaide Oval um, bar outlets. Now, I arrived at uh, Adelaide Oval about twenty minutes before first bounce, and uh, was quite horrified to find out that we were sitting in a dry area. So, um, so we rocked up to the uh, little caravan bar behind the scoreboard and uh, decided that uh, we'd try and pop down as many as we can, as many as we could before the first bounce. And the only uh, the only beer that was being sold there was Han Super Dry. Now, I want to give a massive roast to the Adelaide Oval or the catering department for choosing Han Super Dry. Not on. Absolutely disgraceful. Lift your game. It's all about tourism over there. Just really, really disappointing. It is now, as I put in our PM, Port Adelaide are accepting mediocre football and mediocre beer now. So what what would have been your beer of choice if you had to, to pick one to replace the harm? What would you have rathered? Well, I would have stuck with the South Australian beer, certainly not West End, but I could have at least understood them selling it there, at least it's South Australian. But uh, you know, they could have had a nice, uh, a nice Cooper's Green on tap there, just to just to pour into that wonderful plastic uh, cup that we have to drink from at the footy. And uh, to be perfectly honest, mate, after about four, uh, they all tasted the all same. Tasted same yeah. uh, they tasted fantastic after the final siren too. I can imagine. And fair call on the Thomas Bug incident as well. So he has been referred directly to the tribunal. Um, I know we'll touch on it a bit later when we go back over the Basher incident, but I would like to think he's looking at the same, if not more, based on the precedent that's been set. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on. So Elton John's wig, what was your toast for the round? Uh, well, I'll do a, a quick toast to, uh, first to a, a couple of champions uh, that had milestone games. Obviously, um, you know, Pendles uh, had his 250th. He uh, seems to be uh, like almost like the Matrix, you know, like he can just weave through traffic and make them look like they're standing still. He's an unbelievable footballer. I don't know if it's common knowledge that um, he's used his basketball background to uh, – is, is why he's so good with his spatial awareness. I don't know if it's been mentioned before. I thought I'd bring that up. Maybe one or two times over the over the journey. Yeah, and um, little Gazza, you know, 300 games. Obviously a gun. Um it had uh, big shoes to fill with his dad, so um, 
he's he's done pretty well. Um, I'm not a massive fan of of him personally, but you go you got to acknowledge it. Um, my my toast, my proper toast for the week is uh is Brisbane. I thought that was a, a sensational win. Um, on the road, captain out, no beams, twenty seven points down, you know, in the last quarter, and they get up and win. The fact that it was Essendon was an absolute bonus. Um, but on that, there's a player that I reckon if he was playing in Victoria, he'd be getting a lot more. He gets some acknowledgement, but he'd be getting a lot more than what he does, and that's Dane Zorko. Um, he's putting together a pretty tidy year. He had 30 possession on the weekend, 14 contested, a couple of goals, seven clearances and eight tackles. And he kept merit to under 20 possessions. And I heard a stat, and I'm not sure of exactly the date, but it's the first time in two years that Merritt hasn't had 20 posies. So Brisbane, Zorko, well done. Yeah, that was that was a pretty pretty good win. They're just actually showing the footage now on AFL 360. Uh, and for such a young group, that's a pretty character-building win, I reckon. Yeah, they've got done your, they've got... You, you've, done, you've done your research, Elton. All I am here is complaining about the standard of beer at the footy, and you're reeling off those stats. So, uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Speaking about, oh, the, speaking about the beer at the footy, though, you do have to maybe just touch on a few other stories about your trip to Adelaide, because it did sound like you had a big one, Tugger. It was, it was really good, mate. I, uh, look, I don't know how many of our uh, our listeners have been over um, to Adelaide Oval before, but I absolutely strongly encourage um, to do it uh, next year. Um, no doubt we'll be drawn there to play at least one of the teams. Um, I flew over on Saturday morning. Um, I mean, Adelaide gets a bad rap from the rest of Australia, but, I mean, honestly, it's a, a, it's actually quite a nice little city. It's uh, fantastic food and wine. Um, wonderful pubs around the uh, around the in the CBD. Um, quick walk over the bridge to Adelaide Oval. The ground itself is a fantastic viewing ground. It's um, it's it really is like you, you're sitting there and you feel like you're almost out there on on the ground with them. And um, look, the Port fans are fantastic. I've never had a problem with the Port Adelaide supporters. Uh, it was my fifth time, actually seventh time, over to Adelaide for a game. Um, Crows fans are a little bit different, but uh, Port fans, I sort of liken them a little bit to to us. They 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 know their footy. They're passionate. They're not afraid to dig their heels into their team or or criticise the coach when they feel like it. But uh, it was really good. Um, Fantastic. It wasn't actually a great game to watch, but um, I was pretty animated. I went with a port mate. Um, never got told to sit down or shut up or anything like that. And the best part was finishing up afterwards at the Strathmore Hotel on North Terrace, and there was just all Richmond supporters in the hotel, and just every 10 minutes someone would start up the, oh, where from? And then just the whole pub would just, like, just start singing it and... Yeah, I'd, I'd had a few, and I was—I might have been standing on one of the tables, sort of leading most of it. Just, uh, yeah, <laughs> two thirty in the morning, I got back to the room, woke up at five a.m. with um, a couple of uneaten quarter pounders next to me. So uh, yeah, I was a pretty happy camper. Sounds like that a was a great photo. That yeah. was a great <laughs> uh, That was. I suppose you know, everywhere you go, interstate game-wise, there's always a lot of Richmond people there. So no one can ever question our loyalty or our commitment to travel with the team. Um, the Port Adelaide supporters around us were actually saying, you know, we're the best um, travelling supporters 
um, in the whole comp. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a bit of a feather in our cap. Absolutely. I mean, I'm heading up to the Gold Coast in a couple of weeks, and we all reckon that we're half a chance to have more supporters there than what Gold Coast will. I'll see you up there, mate. I'm going to that one too, and I know a lot of Richmond supporters who are going up. So, uh, yeah, I think we might nearly, nearly outnumber them. You blokes make too much money. Well, no, I don't. Um, but uh, it's a good way to spend it. Absolutely. Yeah, Provided we win. It, it, it galvanises everybody. When you have a road win like that against, you know, a, I mean, I, I still rate Port Adelaide. I, I know that they probably haven't beaten anyone, but um, they play a really good run and carry game. And, um, you know, to have that sort of win um, over there um, when no one expected us to win, um, it just galvanises you. And, like, at the airport the next day, um, going through the uh, security lineup, the amount of Richmond supporters, you just there are no words needed. You just look over, have a little bit of a wink, a bit of a smile, and they do it back. And it's just like, yeah, that's been a good weekend. Well, speaking of the game, we'll get straight into the review. So Richmond won 11-10-76, defeated Port Adelaide 8-15-63 with a 13-point victory. Uh, I tipped 14 points in last week's podcast, so not a bad effort. Uh, but the exciting thing is that's put us into outright fourth position on 36 points. And I was saying at work today to some of the guys there that if you had told me at this stage of the season we'd be sitting outright fourth, I would have laughed at you. So the, the turnaround that the team's had in the space of this preseason has been pretty exceptional. And I know there's a lot of dimmer haters out there, um, but I think you know credit does have to be given to him for firstly owning up to the fact that the game plan last year didn't work, and secondly, finding a game plan that suits our style that's put us into this position. Um, Elton, what did you make of the game? Well, oh, you're right. The run, the run uh, Tugger was just talking about Port's run and carry, and obviously we've got a team that's set up to do that now. And at half time, the match thread was not a place to visit. No. I tell you, it was scary. There was some really, really upset people in there. I wasn't that disappointed because I wasn't expecting us to win, and I thought, oh, yeah, a couple of goals down half-time, a couple of goals down second half. That's a valiant effort or whatever. Halfway through the third quarter, it became evident to me that we were just – we'd physically rooted them. They, they couldn't go with us in the last quarter. Yeah, I think that's certainly a good point. The commentators made mention of that as well, that they just looked exhausted. Um, And I think as soon as we got those three quick goals with uh, Stengel, Rioli and Martin, uh, that kind of just took the wind out of their sails. And we just looked like we're running on top of the ground really well after that. So I'm not sure if we did anything different in terms of pre-season. But yeah, the second half of the third quarter was pretty solid. Uh, Were there any standout players for you? Um, oh well, look. You're not. Gonna, I'm not going to talk about Martin because you don't have to. Um, obviously, the Rance battle was interesting. It was an interesting tactic that obviously really he got the shits up in the first half. Um, it was clever. Uh, I wasn't enjoying it, but um, he was unbelievable in the second half. And something Roger Dangerfield said last week, sort of, or the week before sort of stuck with me, you know, we just got to sit back and enjoy that bloke um, because he's, he's a freak. And, and But the whole back six now is working as an unbelievable unit. And in the second half, for Rance to let go of Dixon and 
trust that that was going to get looked after. That changed our back six. For me, Lambert, I'm I'm going to be. I, I apologise, uh, Lambert. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Um, I've spudded him for a couple of years. Haven't rated him. He had ten tackles. Um, other people have better games. Other people have worse games. He's bloody consistent now, and I reckon he'd be one of the first on the whiteboard every week. Yeah, I think that's a great call. He's the best Lambert that's ever played for the club, Elton, given that Craig Lambert was such a good oh, player. sorry. Um, I was thinking about the best game. <laughs> sorry, you got me. Yeah. No, but I'm, I've got to admit that I'm, um, I was wrong about him. He's been really good and he's important. It allows the other people to have bad games. Especially his um, shutdown work as well. So not only is he finding the ball himself and you know get hitting the scoreboard as well occasionally, but he's doing a really good job at putting some good solid work into the other team's best player each week, which largely goes unnoticed to be honest. And some weeks he might only get fifteen twenty touches and people are calling for his head. But it's what did he do to stop the other team's best player getting possessions and become damaging? Uh, and sometimes that gets overlooked a little bit. Uh, but Tugger, what about yourself? What did you make of the game and what were your your highlights? Um, look, I, I really liked how uh, when we – I mean, it's been well documented that Richmond are the best um, turnover, um, the best forces of turnovers in our forward 50 uh, in the comp this year. But I really liked how we uh, forced turnovers in defensive 50. And then when that happened, um, the players would just run in a wave and just like gut run and we'd get the ball out wide and then we'd go into the corridor because we had so many options because so many blokes decided, well, not decided, but were told to with the game plan to run and it opened up our forward line and it was just so refreshing to see uh, blokes just working so hard um, in that aspect. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the midfield battle. And um, for once, I mean, just for once, I enjoyed our kicking for goal. And it was good to see another team actually suffer the yips as well. Our kicking for goal this year has been absolutely horrible. But I think at one stage we had seven set shots for goal in a row and kicked them all. So, uh, yeah, they were my observations looking through the beer goggles, looking through the uh, the old Han Superdry beer goggles. Um, well, just- my, my standout player actually... Um, and I reckon he's been really, really quiet the last month. Um, but Toby Nankervis absolutely decided that uh, that he was going to get us over the line. And, you know, to combat, I mean, Ryder had a pretty good game, uh, but to combat him and Dixon and just do it all by himself um, after four, I think, pretty ordinary weeks after a fantastic start to the year, um, I take my hat off to Big Nank the Tank. And the other player for me that stood out, um, particularly later in the game, was Menadju. He His run was, was excellent to watch. So <clears throat> I know he's been pretty maligned as well on our board, but it just seems like he's backing himself as the weeks go on. And it kind of felt like that we we're trying to get the ball into his hand as much as possible later in the game because he just had all the run. Uh, he was breaking lines and his delivery by foot's pretty good. So I know that when we did draft him, his size wasn't wasn't the greatest, but we were always told from the outset that he was going to be a three-year player. And I think we're starting to see the, the reward from that now. Um, the other player I want to mention as well is, it's probably two players that looked after him, but Grimes and McIntosh, I thought, did a great job on Robbie Gray. So he's been another player that's been in pretty red-hot form over the last few weeks. And I know he had four shots of goal and kicked one goal three, but we weren't really allowing him to have those easy shots of goal or take those easy marks inside 50. Uh, and like you said, Elton, it, it's just become a whole back six thing as 
opposed to individuals looking after their own player. They're working really well as a unit, and I think that's been a massive, massive factor for us this year. Just on K-Mac, I love him because he's really big and he's bloody physical. Like, he's a unit. But Christ almighty, he can butcher it. I mean, I love him and I want him in the side, but sometimes I just, it's like the early days of Rance, I just hold me breath. Yeah, if he's got a free target, he's usually pretty good, but if he's having to hit someone that's under a bit of pressure, it does get a bit nervy there. The other one that's... I he's improved massively in the last probably six or seven weeks in that area, because I've been the same as you, Elton. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I probably haven't rated him until until this year. I actually always thought that he was um, a bit too mechanical, uh, butchered it by foot, but um, i tell you what, this year he's been, uh, he's been a massive player for us. He has been good. And just his tank to be able to run all day as well is, is such a big asset to have. Uh, we'll finish off, I found a couple of posts in the autopsy thread that was largely pretty amusing. Uh, there's a couple of good ones in there. The first one was from Go Tigers 2015, which was, the win was manifestly inadequate. Well, that's... <laughs> and that's second, old, yeah, no, that was good. I think they had about 30 or 40 likes, so I think the Tiger Army liked that one. And the second one uh, from Rancy Pants was Menadieu is beginning to believe, uh, which I think is so true. And if he can really come on and find that consistency for all of his games, he's going to be such an asset in the back half of the year. Uh, we'll move on to a few topics to discuss. Um, last week when we spoke about the Bashahuli incident, we obviously recorded on Tuesday, which was prior to knowing that the AFL had appealed the decision. So now that that's taken place, Tugger, I'll get your thoughts on the AFL appealing it how do you think, um, you know, do you think they had good grounds to do it? And, and what do you think of the new outcome of the four-week suspension? Look, I think at the time we were all a little bit defensive. Um, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, I think we all got a, a very tiny, and, and I, I do say this, like um, a very tiny perspective of where Eston supporters stood over the drug saga. Um, when you find that the rest of the comp is against you, it's only a natural defence mechanism to go into bat for your own team. And I can kind of understand um, the essence supporters' stance now, even though I still disagree with it. Um, but it really was 17 clubs and the AFL onto one club uh, last week. So uh, having said that, um, now that it's all done and dusted, I've actually got no problem with Bashi getting four weeks. It was a he knocked a kid out. It was in the first five minutes. He missed virtually that game. He missed um, last week as well. And look, I think well, I don't think anyone could really argue that four weeks wasn't a fair penalty. So uh, you know, it happens. Um, Bash made a mistake. We all know he's a he's an impeccable character. Um, I. Did have a problem. Actually, Carlton mate texted me and said, uh, correct result, horrible process. And I think that just about sums it up. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, what about yourself, Elton? You got any thoughts on, on the incident? Yeah, actually, it's funny. I wrote down a, a four-word phrase, court of public opinion, which pretty much agrees with what Tugger's saying about the other 17 clubs just having it in for you. Um, this is the first time the AFL has appealed. That's the only part of the process that really gets stuck in my craw. I've got no issue with the four weeks. I reckon it's about right. But so they haven't appealed against thugs like Buddy Campbell Brown or Barry Hall or any of that, and yet they appeal Hooley. It's their own stuff up to start with, so that 
you know, you look at 16 players have appealed and only two have got their decisions reversed in the AFL. They're one for one. Well done, Gil. You got it. Yeah, and that's probably what annoyed me a little bit too was they questioned their own system. Um, and that just kind of, I suppose, shows how fundamentally flawed the MRP and tribunal system is. But that's not really just a Richmond-related thing. I think that's AFL-wide. We all accept that it's not the greatest. Um, and then obviously we see Tommy Bug punch Mills in the face, knocking him out, took no further part in the game, referred straight to the tribunal. Uh, if we're comparing it to the Basher one, I personally think it's worse because it was a, a knowing punch, like it was a deliberate strike. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm tipping he's going to be looking at about five to six weeks, but it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this plays out because the tribunal are going to want to make sure they get this one right and not have two appeals in a row. Uh, I kind of almost feel like they might go too hard potentially to try and compensate for that fact. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still shocked that someone chose to do that a week a week after the, the Basher incident. It's just mind-blowing. Well, I'm tipping he won't get two weeks anyway. No, I don't think that's going to be a factor at all. Uh, Big Ivan Marich has announced he's retiring at the end of the year. Uh, I mean, we traded for Ivan in 2011, so I can't believe it's been that long ago, for pick 37. I think, if I remember back correctly, a few people at the time were pretty up in arms about us giving away pick 37 for... Well, you'd almost call him a relatively untried, unknown Ruckman because he was behind a few blokes. But it was one of our better trades. Um, he's been an absolute warhorse for us and a spiritual leader. Tiger, what are your thoughts on Ivan's career and uh, and how, how, how high regard do you hold him with the Richmond Footy Club? I just thought he bought um, more than just footy ability to the club. He actually bought um, a little bit of cult hero status with his with, I mean with his haircut but he I mean that that word warrior um, he was a complete warrior he went in to battle every single week he um, he provided us with that mongrel that we lacked in a ruckman since um, I think uh, since Greg Stafford um, played for us um, blokes walked a little bit scared um, around staff. And uh, and they walked a little bit scared around uh, Evie. Um, unfortunately, they've never really done that with Sean Hampson, but uh, they're starting, <laughs> to do that, starting to do that with Nan Curvis as well. So, oh, we all loved him. Adelaide's pro supporters still love him. Um, they didn't want to lose him, but uh, they realised he was probably a little bit behind the pecking order with Sam Jacobs. So. Yeah, which was which was fair enough. Nothing but uh, respect for the bloke, and um, apparently the uh, match committee went to him um, a few weeks ago and said, uh, look, we're thinking of of playing you as, as a second forward. And, uh, and he said, guys, my back's, uh, my back's a bit stuffed, so I just can't can't do it this week. So I think that just epitomises what he is, just um, unselfish. Absolutely. He just seems like a really genuine good guy. And Elton, I'll ask you, what was your favourite Ivan marriage moment? Oh, look, I've... I've... I went back and watched a few highlights. Um, clearly the goal against Carlton in the elimination final and that bloody run across the ground, that was grouse. Um, the goal against the Swans when Jack stuffed it up and he come through and the ball was stationary and he socketed it through, I still laugh about that. Yeah, yeah that but, was a good one. <laughs> but the, the footage of him cleaning up in the rooms, it just shows you what sort of a bloke he is. And, you know, that's where... That's the influences that, okay, we saw it on that occasion because they had the game cameras running or whatever, but that's the sort of stuff that changes clubs from the inside that you don't see. 
So, you know, I've got a couple of mates who are involved in soccer and he's, you know, he's involved in his club down there and they just can't speak highly enough of him as a bloke. So, Yeah, that, that footage was pretty good. I saw that the other night as well. And, yeah, you don't see that happen all too often. Um, the only thing I just hope is I, I really hope him retiring at this age, I know he's a little bit older, but I hope it wasn't largely because of how much we played him early on in his career. I know we ran him into the ground, but I would yep. have loved to have had him and Nank playing side by side because I reckon that would have been an absolutely lethal combo. It could have been, yeah. Well, my favourite moment of him is actually probably uh, a little bit of a strange one in that it was in one of our worst losses. Uh, the 2015 elimination final uh, after we'd led, then North had that comeback. And I remember it like oh so well. Um, late in the last quarter, North were nine points up. It was just after that horrible non-holding the ball decision yeah. um, when Shane Edwards tackled Todd Goldstein, and um, uh, if he just snapped that goal to put us three points down with about four minutes left, and the crowd absolutely went psycho. And I just thought, Ivy, you absolute friggin' warrior, like you throwing yourself in and and uh, yeah it, that, that just epitomised him just did whatever he could he definitely loves the big moment Big Gibby uh, I found a couple of posts from our the thread dedicated to him so I'll read out a couple this one from Kays all the best Ivan we'll never forget the mullet and that's no one's going to ever forget that mullet that was outstanding and another one from RFC Tiger Army the goal against Carlton in the elimination final is something I'll never forget and I think a lot of us will always remember that like I, that, the noise that that generated was just scary it was you, you can't you can't forget something like that but all well, the you best you know those ads those with the NAB um, little mini legends oh the kids he, yeah, yeah. he even got a gig on that because of his mullet absolutely it was a centrepiece really <laughs> it, it yeah it was horrible as it might have looked at some stages it was it was him. That's just who he was. But uh, we do wish Evie all the best, and I hope he does go on to coaching or something like that, whether it's with us or elsewhere. But I think as a club, we'd be crazy to get rid of him because he just oozes leadership in class. Um, and he obviously, in his retirement speech, had a real close connection with those other Ruckmen, and if he can pass on half of his knowledge to them, we'll be better off for it. We'll uh, push on and go through some VFL results. So the VFL team's doing quite well this year, actually. Uh, Richmond 12, 880 defeated Essendon 10, 14, 74, which has now put us up in fifth position on the ladder on 24 points, and we're only 0.10% off fourth place. I think I read somewhere today that since being a standalone team, we haven't made finals yet, so the boys are off to a really good start. I think a lot of that comes down to a game plan filtering down to both teams instead of having one for the VFL, one for the AFL, and then nothing really aligns and the players move up and down. Um, Richmond listed goal kickers. Garthwaite kicked two with his first real shot down forward, so hopefully we see more of that. Graham, Troll, Hunt, all with one each. And the best for Richmond were Hunt, Miles, Broad, Bachelor, Townsend, and Garthwaite. Um, I just want to touch on Miles, who had another outstanding game. 37 disposals, 16 contested, and 7 tackles. Is there room in the side for him, Tugger? Well, uh, my information is that uh, he's been told that uh, there just has to be a spot that opens up for him, and he needs to be playing well and be ready when it does. And we've seen that uh, twice this year when he's been recalled. Um, hasn't made much of an impact um, in his couple of games this year. Is there a spot? Um, I don't know. With our current game plan, um, I'm just not sure whether there is a spot. But 
mean, you could do a hell of a lot worse than a bloke that's averaging 35 touches in the twos. I'm not sure whether he can do too much more. Oh, look, I'm an Anthony Miles fan. I, I like the way he goes about it. Um, is there a spot for him right at the moment? The simple answer to that is no, not right at the moment. Fair enough. And Elton, I'll ask you about this one. Jack Graham, he's, he's worked his way back into the side after injury. Um, on the weekend, he had one goal, 15 disposals and eight tackles. He could be a steal of the draft from last year. <laughs> I just wrote that. Um, yeah, look, obviously there are players that, that drop due to injury concerns or whatever, and it sounded like a pretty serious uh, issue we had. Um, but... Yeah, uh, I, I love him. I've I've loved him since before we drafted him. Um, I can see him playing a few games um, towards the back end of the year. Uh, whether it's whether he pushes someone else out or whether it's just to get a taste in a couple of select games, I'm not sure. But uh, I want to go the slows on him a little bit just because he's two games back. We don't want to fry him, but uh, I definitely think long term. Yeah, we might have got one. Yeah, fingers crossed. He's just got the size already as well, which is really impressive. Uh, and I watched the, the 18s championship quite closely that year, and he was outstanding for South Australia. So to, to get someone like that in your team it is a good get, and he will. He'll eventually work his way into it. Um, but it's just good to see him getting getting some possessions down in the reserves. Uh, and eight tackles, I mean, that's a massive a massive standout for me as well. Well, uh, we'll move on to... Oh, go on. Can I, I've, got, I've got a quick question about the VFL and about our first team. I love what we're doing. I'm not knocking any of it. My concern is come the pointy end of the season, not having a second tall, I reckon, is a massive issue. What are people's thoughts on Garthwaite playing forward? Are they doing that to maybe groom him to try him out in a couple of weeks' time? I can't see because he was gone. There's absolutely no doubt they're doing that, mate. Um, he's been playing uh, defence all year in the last couple of weeks. They've put him down forward. And yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's exactly what they're trying to do, just to see whether he can uh, he can cut it in case we really need him. Because, I mean, let's face it, Marty Lachon's a mile off, and, I mean, I don't think, he, I don't think he's ever going to make it. So, um, yeah, yep, good call. Neil Baum actually said at one of the pre-game functions for the Port Adelaide game that apparently Griffiths is about two weeks away. They're just being obviously ultra-cautious with him. Um, but then a guy at my work, who's actually Todd Elton's brother, said that he had heard that even when Griffiths is still running, he's still getting some dizziness. So I'm, I'm not sure where he sits, but personally, I mean, his health obviously comes first. And I think he's only really one knock away from having to sort of pull the pin altogether, which would be sad. Um, but they do have to be extremely careful. So no doubt Garthwaite is 100% a backup plan. And he was a forward as a junior, so it's not completely um, unnatural for him. It's just getting him used to our structures and our way. But I think two goals for his first crack at it is a good return. And it'll be interesting to see if he can back it up again this week. We'll, uh, we'll move on to fire away. So we are using a question that was done previously from Stevie Tigers. So I'll start with you, Elton. What was your best and worst memory as a Richmond supporter? Well, living in country, Vic, and uh, with a young family, that I don't get down much anymore. But um, my best and worst are the same day. Uh, waiting for years to get back in the finals. I will never, ever forget the noise when we ran out on the ground in the elimination final against Carlton and being dominating, and we should have been miles more up a quarter time, but 
got to half time and I just thought, I can't believe this. We're going to bloody win a game. This is going to be unbelievable. And then the worst memory was the second half and I'm trying to wipe it from my mind, but I just can't. Yeah, I think there's a few of us in that same boat. Uh, what about yourself, Tiger? What was your best and worst memory? Uh, best moment, um, given that I was only 10 when we won the 80 grand final and couldn't really fully appreciate it. 95 semi-final against Essen and Matty Knights with those goals bouncing down the wing and uh, I remember it being a, a lovely, like, 22-degree September day and beating Essendon in front of, I don't know how many was there, 90,000 or something like that, um, to get into a, I mean, to win a final, um, easily the best day, um, which is pretty sad, really, considering you know, probably, probably most other supporters can reel off grand finals. But uh, worst day, um, the day we played Geelong, and we lost by about 160 points. I was actually on a flight, a Virgin Blue they were back then, from Melbourne to Perth, and uh, it was when they had Foxtel Live on board, um, and I boarded the flight in Melbourne just as the game started. Swiped my credit card for the $4.95, um, or you can watch for the whole thing and watch the uh, Richmond-Geelong game where Geelong beat us by 157 couldn't order Bundy and Cokes fast enough, and it was probably <laughs> the only time that I've actually wished that the captain nosedived the plane into the <laughs> nullar ball. It was excruciating. Could have almost and, broken Booney's record. Well, for a three-and-a-half-hour flight, <coughs> I, given that Booney had 52 cans, I reckon I fell probably about 45 short, which was still a good nudge. No, that's not a bad effort. And the other question I've got was one that I had for you guys. So I'll start with you, Elton. Who do you think was our biggest draft mistake? Oh, man, this has been going down the uh, rabbit hole. Uh, I had a good look around. Um, there's plenty to choose from, but I just can't go past. 2005, the whole draft was a bloody disaster bar Matty White in the preseason draft, but to take Jared Oakley Nichols at pick eight, I know times were tough and didn't have much money, but picking a bloke that they'd never seen play live, I just, you know, and, and the funny thing was is back then I was actually living down in Melbourne and uh, I went out and watched Coburg a couple of times and the bloke was scared of his own shadow and it was it was like watching a train wreck. So for me, it was him. I don't think you get too many arguments with that one. Uh, what about yourself, Tugger? Oh, God, how long have we got? We could do a whole episode on this, I think. We could. Yep. We could do probably 10. We could, it'd be <laughs> like Game of Thrones. It'd go for some seasons. Um, oh, look, I'm going to state the obvious. If we had have had Buddy or Ruffy in our team the last 10 years, we would, those years that we made the finals, we would have actually done a lot better than what we did. So, I mean, I know I know every club right handling, and I know that um, I know there wasn't an actual mistake per se on draft night because we weren't the only ones to rate him, but gee, Ruffy or Buddy would have been nice in our team the last 10 years. We would have been, and if we're, if we're lucky enough, we could end up with Tamling's son in the future, so hopefully that one pans out a bit better for us. He played 100 for us. He did, just over. Well, that says it all. I yeah. definitely reiterate that pick. So we have had some shockers along the way. The other one is obviously um, Fiore instead of Pavlich. I know we could yeah, we could list hundreds of these, but just having that other key forward to help out Richo back in the day would have been really nice. Pavlich well, was the smartest key forward that I've seen play the game 
Yeah, used his body really well and just led to the right spots. Um, he, he didn't really get as much credit as he deserved, largely because he was in Perth, really. Yep. If he played down here, he would have been, you know, front page every week virtually with how good he was. Yeah, well, I mean, we say we could talk about every every um, every draft. Who was our first pick in 2003? 2003. Um... I'll throw the name Alex Gilmore at you. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Oh, okay. <laughs> never, 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 never played a game. <laughs> There's been a few of those so, along the way, I think. <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good draft, though. We got Jacko in round four, played 156. We got Tucky in round seven, and we got Foley in the rookie draft. Oh, so we didn't do too bad outside the first pick. Yeah. Boys, if we're going to continue to talk about drafts, I might have to go back to the old goon bag and uh, get a refill. <laughs> I'll just finish off with the, the draft it quickly. I remember last year I went to the EDFL Grand Final and I got the record on the way in. Um, I had a quick look through it, and sure enough, you see people like Gordas, Putt, Andrew Brown, Luke McGuan all on the same side. It's like, Jesus, we've, uh, we've done real well there. But anyway, That's <laughs> can't, can't win them all. Well, uh, we'll push on to the preview of this week's game against St Kilda. So the Saints obviously had a, a pretty gutsy nine-point win over Frio in Perth, which has now put them into eighth spot. Uh, it was a pretty close and hard-fought contest right until the end with Josh Bruce snapping a great goal out of the pack to put the Saints in front with a few minutes to go. And then he also kicked the sealer, running into an open goal. Uh, they're, they're up and about now. They've got some confidence. Uh, reading the St Kilda board today, they very much thought that was the win they needed to really kickstart the second half of their season. Uh, what, what do you think they've got in store for us this week, Tucker? I'm a little bit concerned about this game, actually. I, usually when you win interstate and you experience such a massive high like that, there's a tendency to sort of come back and uh, uh, go through the motions a little bit. I'm a little bit more confident with our side now because we've only really played poorly in one game. Um, having said that, I don't think people are rating St Kilda as much as what they should be. Um, I, think they're, I think they're still a very, very good side, and I think they match up well against us. Um, so I know, I know we're over, overwhelming favourites with the bookies, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably a game that uh, that we could quite easily drop. But um, I mean, we play them again as well, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a really hard one to pick this week. And yourself, Elton? Um, I sort of think of them as a better version of North, um, in, from the point of view that they've got no real Super superstars. I discount Rui because he's 108. They've got a lot of very good. He's got a lot of very good players. Like Stevens is, you know, he's playing, he's flying, he's going fantastic. You know, Ross has been good. Billings is starting to step up, but they don't have one or two like absolutely elite players, which is why they need that Kelly sort of type. So I sort of think of them as a better version of North, and because they're so even, I sort of I tend to share Tugger's um, caution. Because I think it's going to be close. It is. Um, I think it's really funny that this year. Sorry, buddy. I think it's really funny that this year um, we actually play Eddie had reasonably well now, whereas in the past it's been um, a bit of a hoodoo ground for us because it's a little bit sort of a tighter and in space. But that's what we like nowadays. We like the ball being tight in space and then using a bit of run and spread. So yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a really interesting game. 
Now, it is going to be an interesting game. Um, Sam Gilbert was stretched off after having his head driven to the ground in the tackle, so I'm not sure if he'll be right for this week, but it was good to see him walking around the ground later in the game. So we also don't like seeing anyone injured, but if he does happen to miss from concussion, that does remove a little bit of drive and run from their back half, which I know a few St Kilda fans are a bit concerned about. And then obviously with the news coming through tonight that Jimmy Webster got two weeks for, I think it's almost classed as an eye gouge or prohibited eye contact, um, is another halfback that helps him not being there as well. So a few St Kilda posters also mentioned that he would have been a good one to have against our small forwards in terms of the pace that we have up front. So hopefully a few of those little things going our way help. The player... And Jack Stephen a... Um... Uh, a fine, a fine instead yep. of a suspension. Yeah, fine instead of a suspension. So apparently the ruling is the fine has to be related to the same kind of incident three times before it's a suspension. Not if it's three different reports, then apparently it doesn't count. So, but I, I don't know whether he's been playing all that well lately. I think he struggled ever since he had that lung issue. So, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I know he can turn it on. He's he has been a great player, but lately I don't know if he's been setting the world alight. But it's, regardless, it's a massive game for both of the clubs because we have another chance to consolidate our spot inside the four and the Saints are fighting to stay in the eight. So it's going to be on for young and old. But the player that I think for them holds the key is Jake Carlisle. Nathan Brown, I think, will take Jack Rewalt or will attempt to, but that's going to allow Carlisle to potentially drift forward um, and take some marks in the front half of the ground and potentially get a few shots on goal. So our, our defenders and mids need to be on guard to make sure that they can man him up if he does wander, wander down the ground. But at the same time, if Jack's on his bike and leading up the ground, I'm not actually sure Nathan Brown can go with him in that aspect. So it is going to be interesting to see how they go with two talls against our one tall and, and heap of smalls. Um, Hey, Marcos, can you just say that again? Um, it's Richmond's chance to consolidate themselves inside the top. Top four? Who would have thought? Uh, yeah. Well, just one more time. Just the top four. Just you know, <laughs> oh, okay. one, one after three. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. yeah. I, I don't like. I don't even like to talk about it at work, to be honest, because you know it's going to potentially bite us in the ass at some stage. But they're playing good footy, and I, I think the game against Port did get us some respect back. Uh, I know people have been saying we haven't really beaten anyone, but you can only beat the teams put in front of you. No, no, that's exactly right. We never will have. It doesn't matter if we beat everyone for the rest of the year. We still would have beaten no one. Um, Elton, I want to get your thoughts on St Kilda's forward line with Josh Bruce, Tim Membry and Nick Rewalt all going through there. Do you think that's going to cause some interesting matchups for us? Um, I've got this feeling that I've, I think we'll be right. Um, I, I want to know who goes to Rewalt. I've got thoughts in my head, but Bruce and uh, Membry, we can flip between, you know, the two big fellas, uh, you could go with Grimes, or even if you know Grimes or K-Mac on Rewalt. I'm not. I'm not super concerned about the backline matchups. That's not where I'm concerned. I'm, I'm more concerned about their smalls, like you know aggression. But for the big guys, I reckon. I reckon we've got them covered. Yeah, I think so too. I'd like to see K-Mac go with Rewalt, just from a, a running ability point of view. I don't. Grimes is good, but I don't think he can run as hard and as long as what Rewalt can. Uh, but you're right with the small forwards. I actually had written down for Jaden Short to go on Gresham because he's been a bit of a live wire up front. Um, and the best thing about Short is he can hurt him the other way as well. Like we saw that left foot goal late in the game against. Paul 
before. That was an absolute monster. But he's with Julio out of the team, he's pretty much our, our our go-to guy in between the arcs to give the ball to the forwards. So if he can work off Gresham, it might make him a bit more accountable, and hopefully we can exploit him in that way. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, the only concern with Short is, is he accountable enough? That's what I wrote down as far as that matchup goes. It's great to make Gresham accountable, but is Jaden accountable enough as a one-on-one? Yeah, it'd be an interesting matchup, that's for sure. The other one I want to look at as well, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Tugger, is Jack Steele. I'm tipping he's going to maybe line up on Dustin Martin. Uh, Jack Steele had 17 tackles last week, which is absolutely massive. What do you reckon the chances are of him lining up on Dusty just to apply some physical pressure and, and try and put Dusty under the pump a little bit? Well, still had to do something because he was dropped two weeks ago, so um, he needed a response. I mean, I didn't realise he had 17 tackles. That's actually very impressive. So, I mean, uh, there's been a shift away from tagging players this year. Um, the teams that have been playing the Adelaide Crows seem to have sorted Rory Sloan out. Um, I just don't see how you can leave Dusty running around doing what he does. I mean, I think they have to try something. And uh, I think Jack Steele's probably uh, probably as good as any option that St Kilda have. But uh, having said that, good luck, Jack. Um, all the best, mate. Well, I think if he does play close attention to him, Dusty might have to break his own record of eight broken tackles. That was well, it wouldn't be funny to see. Funny to see Steele go from 17 tackles to none. Well, he's a hard man to tackle, Dusty, <laughs> so that could happen. And do you think our small forwards are going to be our biggest strength against their defenders? I know each week we often talk about the need for that second tall, and we only really say because there's a lot of times during games where we just bomb it straight in, and if Jack's not there to try and contest, it just gets cut off. And the same thing will happen again this week, no doubt. But if we do lower our eyes, do you think our small forwards is going to be a massive weapon for us against their defenders? We must lower our eyes because um, if it turns into another Sydney game with Rampy and Grundy just taking intercept marks and uncontested mark inside our forward 50, it, it will we will actually lose. So um, we definitely need to lower our eyes a little bit and um, look for lead-up hit-ups um, from our small forwards. That seemed to be the biggest change for me in the third and fourth quarter against Port. Once we did that and kicked to the guys in space, we were almost unstoppable, and we just got easy yeah. shots on goal. And it, it's not rocket science, but at the same time, I think because they've trained a certain way for so long in pre-season, it's, it is hard for them to, to then just change it and, and try and do that consistently. But they're getting better at it, and hopefully they can see the reward for effort they get when they do lower their eyes. Um, Elton, what, what possible changes do you think we might have this week? Look, I'd be tempted to give Rioli a rest myself. I know he kicked that goal, but um, the three, and I know, you know, they're talking now about rotating through the small forwards, um, and Bolton's had a, had a rest. Uh, I think Rioli could do with a freshen. Bar that, I'd be pretty happy with, with what we've got. Yeah, I agree. What about yourself, Tugger? Um I understand what you're saying, Elton, uh, regarding Rioli, but um, I'd never have him out of the side. I just think he's one of those types of kids that applies too much pressure up forward. Um, I do agree he's probably run that out of a little bit of legs, um, and I wouldn't be totally against um, him having a one-week rest, but uh, I'd leave him in just just for what he brings. Um I was impressed with Stengel. I think he's got some real ability. Um, he's not as defensively good as Rioli or uh, Bolton. Um, 
Look, I'd, I'd probably go in unchanged. Yeah, fair enough. I, I did like Stengel's game, actually. Just the composure to kick that goal as his first goal in AFL at such a crucial moment was such a big thing for, for such a young kid. Um, and full credit to him, and even that bit of play on the half-forward line where he dodged three tacklers and got the ball forward to, to the next player. He just has a lot of footy smarts about him. But you're right, I don't think he has that defensive chasing aspect, but hopefully we can make up for that with the other smalls running around. But for me, it's just nice that we've got competition for small spots for once. Like We've never had that in the last, you know, close to 10 to 15 years, really. It's just, you know... You, we had Cracker and Nahas and all that kind of stuff, but we haven't had guys of this quality for a long time. Well, I know a lot of the support supporters around me um, were saying to themselves whenever Stengel got the ball that he was in their um, Indigenous Academy. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, a lot of the reactions um, that they were getting was like, well, why did we let him go? Like, this kid can play. And it's like, well, I mean, you can't draft everybody. Um, yeah, exactly. Eventually they, eventually they just slip and, um, yeah, it happens. Now, that could be another tick to our recruiters, which is good. And we'll finish off with a, a prediction. So, Tugger, your prediction and a margin for the game? Oh, well, given that I'm very much a half-glass empty kind of type that I've followed this club for 40 years, I was really tempted to actually pick St Kilda because when I when I actually place a bet against Richmond, Richmond usually win. Oh, I like that. So, here, yeah. Um, um, Look, I'm not going to do it because it's a podcast, because we're we're all Tiger family and uh, because I'll probably cop a bit of rubbish if I do. But I think it'll be close. Um, I actually think we're going to win a cliffhanger uh, for once this year. I'm going to pick Richmond by three points. And I think it'll be a goal in the last 50 seconds. And I'm tipping one of our small forwards. Perhaps Dan Butler could do it. Hopefully it's not Castagna after some of the shocking misses that he had running into open goal. Uh, <laughs> that last one was just horrible. It was, he had horrible. So it was many right options. next to me. It was right near me. I was actually standing up on the seat, ready to like turn around and probably do a little bit of a love tap to most of the port supporters, and he missed. And I was told to sit down, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Elton? A prediction for the game and margin? Um. I'm probably a little bit more positive than Tugger. Uh, I think it will it be, be close. Hard, but... No, no. But question, if you're saying if we kick, go up by three points with 50 seconds left, this time we're going to send people back, aren't we? Um, I reckon we'll win by three to four goals. Yeah, I'm kind of the same opinion. I'm going to put us down for about 27 points. I just think that the class we have all over the ground is going to be far too good. And our, our back six are just exceptional. I just don't know if they're going to have the ability to kick that winning score because from all reports, Nick Rewalt's on on one leg and is really only playing because of the occasion of the match uh, and full respect to him for doing so. Um, but I, yeah, I just think our, our rebound from halfback is going to cause them some headaches. And provided we lower our eyes, I think we can hopefully get away with about yeah about 27-point margin. Well, let's hope he doesn't try and stooge us into um, any 50-minute penalties like he did against Fremantle, oh. um, which I think was actually a fairly clever ploy from Rue. But um, I think the Fremantle guy... Uh, just wanted to give it back as soon as possible so that he didn't give away a 50, but the umpire just wasn't actually looking. And which umpire so, was it? Which umpire was it? Yes, our favourite man. Our mate oh, Curtis. No, our mate Curtis. Curtis Delboy. Uh, oh, it's, oh. I don't like that 
Rewalt did that, to be honest. It's almost as bad as either. staging. Like, he threw it straight to him, and Curtis actually saw Rewalt turn his body and still paid the 50. Young has got to be better than that. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, well, but, we, but couldn't expect, yeah, we couldn't expect much, much more than what he did. So fingers crossed we don't get him this week. But uh, thanks for coming on, guys. And just a reminder that it's Maddie's match, and it's on Saturday night at Etihad Stadium at 7.25 p.m. Uh, make sure you, if you're at the game, or you can go onto the website, but make sure you donate to Maddie's Vision to help find a cure for bone marrow failure. You can visit mrv.org.au forward slash donate. And we're live on Channel 7 from 7 p.m. and on Fox Footy from 7.20 p.m. So Tiger and Elton, thanks for coming on, guys. Um, and hopefully the Tigers get up this week. Yeah, make sure you wear something purple to Maddie's match too. I know that was something that uh, the club did, or the St Kilda's did uh, two years ago. We didn't have a, an away game against them last year, but it was encouraged that everyone wear something purple for Maddie's match. So even if it's a ribbon or something like that, do it and get behind it. Absolutely. And until next time, yeah. go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.